If not, let's get to our message today. It's found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. Let's turn there together. The Word of God reads this, The Son, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God the Father was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace through Jesus. Lord, we pray as we start this series together that you will take center stage. And God, that all of our hearts this year, you'll move it powerfully and quickly to make you the center of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, today is an intro to Colossians. So I actually won't be preaching on any verses. I, I'll quickly get there and I can't wait to get there next week. But because today is an intro, there are a few things I wanted to share actually before I even share about Colossians. And I actually wanted to share a few things about preaching, believe it or not. You know, people had questions last year about my preaching. How do you prepare a sermon? How do you know what to preach? And all these things. So I kind of thought I'd share with you very briefly, not only the process of preaching, but the purpose of why I preach. The process I do because I want you guys to pray for me. The, the purpose, because I want you to understand why preaching is a part of Sunday services or, you know, and why we need to interact with the Word of God. So uh, this is one thing you need to know. Hardly anything that I preach on a Sunday is ever original, okay? I'm a copy and paster. But more than that, what, the reason why I say nothing's original is because all the information, all the insights, everything that I say on Sundays is usually the result of somebody else's work. There are so many people who write commentaries on books like Colossians. You know, there were like four, there were like six sources that I would read every single week for my Sermon on the Mount series. There's, I think, five sources I've lined up already for this Colossians series. And all I do is I read, and I read, and I read, and I and I and I and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I just I just read and I ask God every single week, God, what are the things that you want to say out of all this information? And how can I say it in a compelling way that convicts us of what you're trying to tell us? And that's it. And that's what I do. So what I'm first the first and foremost thing I want to say is I, there's nothing original that I really say up here. All preachers stand on the shoulders of giants. They're the ones that did all the work. They did all the research, they did all the insights, all the information. I just kind of steal it, and I just kind of convey it from my heart to you. And so my, my job is to ask God, God, what is your heart for our people? What do you want to say? Which parts, which informations of, out of all these books do you want to convey? And hopefully I get it right. You know, and that's, what, that's the process. And the reason why I share that is because uh, I'm not a spiritual guru. You guys are not spiritual lepers. It's not like you're here because you need something from me. You don't. We're just sinners trying to make it to the finish line together. And my job is to equip you with the Word of God so that you guys can get there. That's it. That's why I try to work as hard as I can behind all these sermons so I don't give you garbage 
And so that actually give you something that you really need to grow and to flourish in your walk with Christ. And I say all these things because that work is not easy, and I just want your prayers, okay? That's it. So we got, you got to pray for me. Like as much as I pray for you to grow, you got to pray for me that the evil one doesn't attack me, that I don't think about other things during the week, but I just fall more deeply in love with you and in God, and then what gets produced on Sundays will be much better. Do you guys understand that? It's a partnership. Okay, so that's number one. So the second thing I want to share with you is why I preach. What is the role of preaching on Sundays? And, and this is it. I preach, because, I preach for one simple reason, and that is to give you a clearer picture of Jesus Christ so that you can live a life of worship of Jesus Christ. That's it. I try to paint a clearer picture of who Jesus is so that you can live for the glory of God through the worship of Christ. That's it. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the living word. He is the ultimate truth, and therefore he is our ultimate authority. What does that mean? It means something very, very simple. Yeah, Just like I shared with you a few weeks ago, our experiences, our thoughts, our interactions, our reasoning, these are not necessarily what's true about life. Only the Bible, only Jesus Christ is truth. Therefore, what we need most every single day of our lives is to anchor our lives in truth so that our life can be about truth and can be about ultimate truth. And if Jesus Christ is the ultimate truth, then what we need most in our lives is more of Jesus so that we can anchor ourselves to him, learn how to live for him, learn how to enjoy him, learn how to celebrate him in in the midst of everything that's going on within our lives, so that all things within our lives, just like the verse we read today, can give him glory, just like it was created to do. Do you see that? That's why you have a quiet time. That's why you go to CG. That's why you come here to listen to a message. That's what it's all about. So that's why we preach. You guys, so you guys understand that? You know, I never met my, my, any of my grandfathers. If you guys have grandfathers, you guys are really lucky. But I never met my maternal grandfather. And so anytime my mother tells me stories about my grandfather, I get totally like, I love it. I just sit there, I'm mesmerized, you know, because I don't know this man. And he'll tell me, she'll tell me story after story. And I walk away every single time totally happy. Why? Because I just got this picture of this man. And it made me so happy to know that I'm related to him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine what I'm talking about at least? You know, some people say that the word of God is like a love letter. Did you ever hear this? That the word of God is like a love letter written to us? But it's not like God wrote this love letter saying, Oh, Eddie, let me share with you my heart, you know, and let me just gush it all over you. It's not like that. What it is, the love letter is the story. It's a story of his son. And so whenever I hear preaching, or whenever I go to a CG, or whenever I like, have my own quiet time, my goal is not to get anything out of it. I never walked away from my mother's story disappointed because I never approached my mother's stories like, oh, well, what am I going to get out of this story about my grandpa that I never met? No, because that's not the right way to approach it. And I don't think that's the right way to approach Scripture either. But if we came with this position to say, God, I can't wait to hear the story. I can't wait for you to tell me how great Jesus is so that I can enjoy him, celebrate him, and learn to become like him. If you came to church like that, if you came to every quiet time like that, if you came to every CG like that, your life would change. Because what's, most, what's missing most within our lives is the enjoyment and the celebration and the attachment to Christ. 
right? So if you have that, and if you come with that position and the attitude, not only will your life change and be transformed, but our church will change. And that's what I want. And that's why I share all this. Because I want us to change. I want us to be people who are intimately connected with Jesus. But you got to come wanting to connect with him. You know, he'll connect with you. But you got to want him. And that's it. Okay? That's why I preach, preach Christ. That's why I preach about Jesus. And that's why I try to find the Jesus behind all the passages. Because that's who we need the most. The living word, the ultimate truth within our lives. So, is that cool? Cool. Okay, fine. Let's get to our word today. Um, so obviously I chose Colossians as the book to go through with you this year. Why did I choose Colossians? Um, and the answer is very simple. I chose Colossians because I think as your pastor, we need to ground ourselves much more clearly in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now I'll be, I'll be, you know, I've only been in part of FLM for 10 months. Do you guys realize it? Has it been, does it feel longer than that? I've only been your pastor for like 10 months. And so, and, and coming in during COVID, it's not like I really got to interact with a lot of you, but if there's one group of people that I did interact a lot with, it was our leaders. And so I, you know, I'm just trying to learn about where our church is, who you guys are through these conversations with the leaders. And this is what I've learned. If there's one thing that I've learned talking to our leaders, it's this. Though our faith in God might be strong, which it is, our church loves God. Our church wants God. And that's why I love being here, and that's why it's awesome. But though we are strong in our faith with God, I think we're just not sure what we actually really believe in or how we can grow deeper in our faith. You guys know what I'm talking about? You have a love for God. We have a passion for God. We want God. But I don't know exactly what all the things I believe about God. And not only that, but I don't know how to grow in those things. And so Colossians will help us do that. You know, some of us have, we've grown up in the church. And some of you here have experienced God in such powerful and beautiful ways. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it was at a camp. Maybe it was different places. And that's absolutely awesome. But there's a lot of you here that have grown up in the church, but you've never experienced God in powerful ways in beautiful ways. And that's okay, right? There are other people um, in our ministry who have been part of church, or maybe a lot of you have been a, you've been part of church, not necessarily our, our church, but maybe you've been a part of church long enough that you've probably encountered some things that really confused you, but you just didn't know who to ask or talk to about it. You know, maybe there were some things about church that maybe even discouraged you or hurt you or made you totally confused about your faith, but maybe you just didn't know who to talk to, or who, or if it was right to ask questions about that, or if it was offensive to ask questions about that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Here's some questions that I wrote down. How do I know if my faith is real? That's a question. Do I need powerful spiritual experiences to verify if I'm a Christian or if my faith is legit? Do I need to encounter spirits or demons to show that I'm actually spiritually alive? Do I need tongues or other spiritual gifts to experience the fullness of the Christian experience? You know, do I need to do all these religious things like get baptized or say all these prayers in these ways or attend these meetings in order for me to get closer to God or for maybe to God to be more pleased with me or for his blessings to be upon my life more powerfully? 
What am I missing in my spiritual life in order for God to look more favorably upon me? Do you guys ever ask any of these questions? Do you guys ever like think like this at all? Right? These are real questions. But believe it or not, these are the exact same questions the believers in Colossae, the church of Colossae, were asking 2,000 years ago. It's the exact same questions that they were asking. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes this letter to give those believers and us today the ultimate truth that answers all of these questions. And here it is. Here's the ultimate truth. Jesus Christ is all you need. That's it. That's what, all, that's what Colossians is about. Jesus Christ is sufficient for all of your spiritual needs. If you have Christ, you have everything. Nothing more, nothing more. And that's it. You know, 2,000 years ago in the Colossian church, there were members of that church that were basically telling other people in the church, hey man, you need, you need more than Jesus to have the fullness of the Christian experience. So the question is, what kind of things were they saying that you need? And this is some of the things that they were saying that you needed more than Jesus. They were saying, hey, you need Deeper spiritual experiences. Like what? You don't have visions. God doesn't give you visions. You need visions for you to be legit. Other people said, you need to celebrate some of those old festivals and traditions, just like the older generations did. I can't believe you don't participate in some of those things, because the older generations did. Still, other people were saying, hey, man, you need to engage in the supernatural. If the supernatural is not going on in your life, you obviously are not legit. You're not connected with God. You don't interact with spiritual beings whatsoever. Dude, you don't even operate in the spiritual. You must not be legit. Have you ever, have you ever heard anything like that before? Yeah, of course you have, because that stuff still goes on today. It does. You see, what these believers in the church were doing, and here's the shocking part. These were not outside people trying to infiltrate the church. These were what the believers inside, these misled believers inside the church were telling other you know, people inside the church. What they were actually doing were they were directly questioning and challenging the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Right? They were basically saying that Christ is not sufficient to meet every one of your spiritual needs. We need more. And then when they mentioned that you needed other spiritual things and other spirits, they were basically saying that Christ isn't really the head of the church. He's not the head of the spiritual realm. Because if he was, then you'd actually have all that you need. But I know you don't have everything that you need because you didn't interact with all these other spirits. And because they said that you needed more, they were basically saying that Jesus Christ was not Supreme. That makes no sense, because if you have the head, you have everything, don't you? I remember when I first became a pastor, a youth pastor, you know, in the mid-90s, the first thing that they did when I got hired was they gave me three keys. They gave me a key to the front door of the church, they gave me a key to the rear door of the church, and they gave me a key to the youth group room, because I was a youth group pastor. And I was like, oh, thank you. Over the next nine years I served at that church, I collected many more keys. This storage room, the upstairs worship room, this, you know, there, I had like, you know, nine keys. And then all of a sudden, I remember hanging out with, um, you know, every church has a maintenance guy, the, guy, the maintenance man that takes care of the church. One day I was hanging out with him, and I saw his key ring. And I totally expected this key ring to be like filled with like 30,000 keys. But there were only like a few. So I was like, yo, cheap signing? <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Yo, deacon, uh, how come you hardly have any keys? You know, I have like nine keys. I have more keys than you for the church. Is that the church key ring? He goes, yeah, it is. And he goes, why? I said, how come you don't have like 
20,000 keys on it. And he's like, oh, simple. This one key opens up all the doors. It's the master key ring. You know what I'm talking about, the master key? I was like, how come I don't have the master key? You know, why do you make, you know? Anyway, if you have the master key, you don't need any other key. If you have the head of the church, the master of the church, why do you need to engage in any other spirit? You don't. But this is what they were saying that you needed to do. So Paul tells these Colossian believers, hey, so, so, so Paul writes these letters to refute all of these teachings and to remind them once again that Jesus Christ, Jesus alone, is sufficient to meet all of your spiritual needs. You want to grow? All you need is Jesus. You want to tra- change and transform? All you need is Jesus. You want your heart to be transformed? Maybe you're, 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 you feel spiritually dead? All you need is Jesus. Everything in, in your spiritual walk, all you need is Jesus Christ, because he is the head of the church. He alone is not only supreme over all powers, but because he is, he directs all things in our spiritual lives. Therefore, all we need is him. Do you guys understand that? That is the teaching of this letter. So Paul writes these letters, and he's telling these Colossian believers, hey, no matter what your friends tell you, all you need is Jesus Christ, right? So he's, he begs these believers in, in Colossae, to resist these false teachings, no matter how rational they sound, no matter what stories or testimonies your friends tell you about the things that they're experiencing, don't give in to that. Why? Because Christ alone is sufficient for salvation. Christ alone is sufficient for satisfaction. Christ alone is sufficient to please God and for God to be pleased with you. You don't need anything more. This is the teaching of this book. And I hope as we go through this series together that that'll just become so clear to you that there's nothing else I need in this life except Jesus. I know that's like the Christian of Christian phrases, but it really is true. And I hope that becomes just ridiculously clear to you in every single way. And I hope that going through this book together clarifies those things for you. And there's, I wrote four things that I hope this book will actually do for us as believers, just as Paul hoped it would do for them. So I'm going to go over four things very quickly that I hope it helps you to do this book of Colossians. Number one, I hope, I hope it helps you understand your faith better. You know, I chose to preach on Colossians because, you know, I kind of wonder how clearly each one of you really know who you believe in and what you believe in. I just want that to be clarified. I want you to clearly understand exactly who Jesus is, what he did for you, and why he did for what he did. I want all of us to be exactly clear on those things. Because if we're not, you know what actually ends up happening? We end up compromising truth within our lives. We do that a lot, you know? And what, and what, what I mean by that is when we're not totally sure of what we understand about who Jesus is and what he did, and that, that's totally sufficient for us, then all of a sudden we'll always get swayed by people who tell us other things besides Jesus, that we need this within our lives, that you need to be experiencing this. If you don't have this, you're not legit. You know, this pastor might come along and say, oh man, if you're not experiencing these spiritual things, then in addition to Jesus, then I don't know if you have the fullness of the Christian experience. And you might be like, hey, that sounds right. You know, because you just don't know, but it sounds good. And you might believe it because that pastor is a pastor or maybe that person is like a really radically spiritually gifted person. And because, you know, people are experiencing that within our lives, you're kind of like, hey, dude, how come I don't have that in my life? And it makes you question. And the reason why it makes you question is because you don't really know the truth. 
that Jesus Christ is all that you need. And that's what happens sometimes. And it just goes to prove that we're not, that we're not really grounded in Christ and within our faith. But we need to know who Christ is. And that's why Paul writes this book. Because not only does this book remind us who Christ is clearly, but here's the greatest part. The greatest part is that Paul paints this picture of the gospel that shows how all the riches of God's glory, all the riches of God's glory, has been given to the Son who now lives within us. You know, that's what the book is about. And that's what I hope that you get out of it. Um, So number two, I hope it gives us confidence in our faith. If we understand who Christ is and what he's done, that'll give us confidence, won't it? You know, I really believe that the reason why our faith is so weak so often is because we don't have confidence in who Christ is. Who Christ is to us, that confidence in that is very, very weak. But as we learn who he is and what he's done and why he's done that, uh, that gospel story has the power to, to change how we think and has the power to change how we operate our lives. And my prayer is that as we study this book together, that hopefully many points along the way, along this whole journey this year, as we study Colossians, that you'll actually encounter Christ, that you'll come face to face with Jesus, and you'll realize how amazing and how beautiful he really is. You know, and that's what I really hope. You know, it's one thing to share the truths of what's going on in Colossians, but my prayer through that is that you'll actually encounter him and you'll just realize that, oh yeah, that's it. And once you know him, not only will you understand him, but you'll be confident in him to live out your life for him. So, you know, on a bigger level, when we don't know what we believe in and who we believe in, you know what we end up doing? We end up watering the gospel. You know, when we don't really know what faith in Christ and Jesus and all this stuff is all about, we end up picking and choosing the parts that we like, and we end up kind of like ignoring the things that we don't like. And what we end up with is a very attractive and like uh, fashionable model of faith that's really cool. But unfortunately, that model is absolutely powerless to change your life. And it's absolutely powerless to win other people to Jesus Christ. And that's not the life that you were meant to have in Jesus Christ. And so that's why we really need a clear picture of who Christ is. But maybe the, more, the most uncomfortable truth of why we choose to pick and choose things in our faith rather than just accepting all of who Christ is, is because all of who Christ is has not yet become compelling enough in our lives personally for us to give ourselves to it in every way. It's a tough truth to come face to face with, but it's an okay one. If that's where you are, hopefully this journey through Colossians will just be like, yep, you want to know something? If that's who he is and if that's what he's done, that's worth everything. That's worth giving my life completely. And I hope that happens on this journey. Thirdly, it makes us thankful for our faith. You know, when the pandemic hit last year, uh, I was scrambling a lot. I was worried. I was filled with a lot of anxiety. And instead of looking at the God who was in control of the problems, I just thought about the problems. And so uh, it took me a few weeks to work it out. But I remember coming coming to terms with my faith very, very clearly. And this is how it happened. One day, uh, I got sick. And, you know, I didn't tell my wife or my kids. But I was like, oh, man, I'm sick. I have all the symptoms. And, you know, back like in April or May, you didn't know, <laughs> you know, we know clearer now. So I'm like, oh, I think I got the virus, but I didn't tell anybody. As I was laying there in bed, 
I was like, oh man, what if I die? Because we didn't know, you know, we didn't know what the death rate was or all those percentages. Maybe you were like that too. But I was, I was in there in bed. I was like, oh no, what if I die? What if I die? What if I die? And I thought about, and the first thing I thought about was all the things that I couldn't do while I'm, I was living on this earth that I wish I would have done before I died. You know, these stupid things that we think about. But eventually, I got to this point where I said, okay, Eddie Bang, let's say you died. Then I thought, okay, if I die right now, I get to spend eternity with Jesus. That's what every Christian says. That's what every pastor says, right? But let's keep it real. Does that statement make you joyful or dreadful? Does it excite you or does it bore you? Honestly. And when I said it, I was just like, hmm. And I had to think about it. You know, I've been preaching this for like the past 20 years of my life. But am I excited to die and meet Jesus? And then after praying and hanging out with him for a while, I realized I was. That's a great thing to realize that you truly love Jesus. And, I, and it may be embarrassing for me to say as a pastor. But at that moment, I realized that I love Jesus. I really do. That I was actually excited. I actually thought, you know, if I die, I get to spend eternity with Jesus. And that is better than what the life I'm living now. Sorry, wife and kids. You know? But it is. Sorry, FLM. But you know, for you to come to that realization personally... That's like revival. Revival is not just knowing that God loves you, but revival is also knowing how much you, you genuinely, actually do love Jesus. And that's when I realized, oh my God, I can have Jesus, I have Jesus for an eternity. But then I realized very quickly, well, hold up. Jesus is alive in me now. So why am I not spending every moment in that joy and in that thanksgiving? Why are my eyes always focused on things that don't count rather than the things that do? And I realized from that moment, you know, I'm going to spend every single moment, I'm going to try to at least, being thankful for every breath that God gives me. Being thankful for every person that, that God puts around me. And being thankful for every challenge and situation that comes up, no matter how difficult it is in my life. You know? It transforms the way you look at your life when you realize that you're in love with Jesus and all that he is. And that's what it's meant to do, you know? Um, every second is a gift that we can either use to be thankful and glorify God or to be anxious and glory in ourselves, right? When we fail to see how powerful and beautiful Jesus Christ truly is, when he fails, when we fail, when we fail, when he fails, well, when we fail to realize how beautiful and amazing Jesus is, when he stops capturing our attention, and when he stops winning our affections each and every single day, that's when we end up living in the life that's really focused upon us. That's when we become engulfed in our anxieties. That's when we always get tempted to look for something else to satisfy us or to find our security in besides Jesus. So Paul writes this letter to remind believers that salvation is found in only one person, our creator, our redeemer. And he just spends this whole letter sharing how beautiful our creator and redeemer is. And so my hope as we study this book together is that you'll fall in love with him 
once again and be thankful for everything, even the challenges like the coronavirus within our lives. Why? Because he cares for us and he lives in us. Lastly, it'll help us live out our faith. There's actually two whole chapters. The last two, there's only four chapters in this book, but there's two. The last two chapters are dedicated how to actually live for Jesus. But it's not given to us in this religious way. You got to do this X, Y, Z. But it's given to an, it's given to us in a way that helps us just make Him greater in our lives and in the world. And that's what it's meant to do. So this book shows off Christ so that we as believers can see and get overwhelmed by his worthiness and to learn to live a life that really is worthy of Christ. So this is the life that will bear eternal fruit for God's glory and build his kingdom here on earth. So are you guys excited to go over this book together? I didn't preach anything today. I just kind of gave you this preview. But that's what it is. I hope you get really excited because I want, I want your faith to be clear. I want you to have confidence in what you believe and who you believe in. And I want you to know what that means in your life. I don't want you to get swayed by other things and other people telling you differently. Because scripture, the ultimate truth, Christ himself says, says all that we need is him. And I hope by the end of this year, I, I, don't, I, don't, I think it'll take less than a year, hopefully. But you never know with Eddie Bang. But I hope it takes less than a year. But I hope by the end of this year, you'll be totally grounded and confident in your foundation in Christ and the gospel. As I close my message, uh, I want you to pray about two things all throughout this year because this is what Colossians is about. This is like the application point every single week. There's two things I want you to always question. And let's, so let's start today. Here's question number one. Is my faith truly satisfied in Jesus Christ alone? Or am I always looking for something more? Am I truly satisfied in Jesus Christ alone? Why or why not? Ask God to help you get there. Here's the second one. Is Jesus Christ the supreme authority over my life? Is Scripture the supreme authority over my life? What would that look like if Jesus was my supreme authority? I want you to think about that. And ask God to help you operate your life like that. I really believe that if we come to church with that mindset to grow in Christ and to celebrate Christ, to enjoy Christ so that we can live for Christ in his glory, I think your life's going to change. And not only will your life change, but I just believe our, our whole community is going to change. That's what I want. And I, I know that's exactly why Paul wrote the letter. That's why it's in the book, in the Bible. And I hope that happens for us this year. Hope you're excited. I will be. Pray for me. Let's pray for each other so we can grow to bless each other with Christ. Let's pray. So from the first week, I'm just going to ask you to do this one thing. We'll just pray for a minute. Will you ask God to make your life about the worship of Christ alone? That's it. God, may this year be a year where I'm just satisfied in you and you alone. Where you're sufficient, where you're supreme, you're enough for me. Can we just pray that as we close our time together? Let's pray.